what uh, Elias shared this morning a little bit is uh, really, really what I was, what I'm going after. A little bit, maybe a little bit, or a little bit different. Um, I don't know how many of you guys know. There's a slight difference in a disciple and a Christian. It's, it's not much difference if you don't know what you're looking for. But if you're a, if you're a disciple, you'll know the difference between a Christian and just a regular. I mean, a, a disciple and a regular Christian. Um, I spent probably, well, I don't know how many hours I put into this. And I excuse me if sometimes it, it sounds like I'm just reading this, but I, I did study it. I've been studying on this for the last probably four weeks. Um, John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Jesus said to those Jews who followed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And Sam brought that up a little bit, and I know his mind can go very deep. Um, be fun to discuss this with him. Um, a disciple feeds on the Holy Scriptures. The first characteristic of a profile and a profile of a disciple is he abides. He abides into, in something and he chases after what he's, what he's feeding. Jesus didn't say, you read my word, you will be my disciples. So reading and feeding are slightly different. A Christian can read, but it doesn't mean he's feeding on it. You can memorize all you want to. It doesn't mean you're getting anything out of that. I've watched some people who are possessed with the political spirit. Everything they pose is political. You talk to them for a little bit, and you find out that they've been abiding on. You don't have to talk to somebody very long until you, you know exactly what they're feeding on, because it comes out. I don't know if I can get everything out what I'm talking about this morning, but I know where it's at. It's right in here, and it's going to come out. Um, whatever you abide in, you become you become filled with. Now they still read the Bible. The Bible never comes out of their mouth. They don't talk like they. They have their every morning devotions. They do the right things. They do the right things to look like a Christian. Doesn't mean they're following after Jesus. Reading, I mean, a lot of people that read the Bible, they're not more Christians than my Doberman. They go after, they go after other things, but to make them feel right, they look right in somewhere else. And we're going to come to discipline. What, it, what discipline? The difference between dis, discipline and uh, and following is. Because sometimes people, they abide in political things, they abide in this, they abide in that, they abide in different stuff. And sometimes, you know, this is very prevalent today as you, you talk to a so-called Christian and um, they talk about ABC News, they talk about Fox News, they talk about this and they talk about that. And for some, you talk to a so-called Christian and Republican comes out of them. I've been there. You think you're a Christian when you're a Republican. That's, that's what people are doing today. I'm not saying here so much, but that is the push. As people are preaching this message of you can't be a Democrat and a Christian at the same time. Please understand God's Word has a lot to say about what's happening in our culture, but at the end of the day, I'm going to try to go back to what Jesus has to say. Because my allegiance and my loyalty is to the Word of God. The Bible says here, abide in my word. It's going to change your life. You're not going to keep doing the thing, things you have been doing. It's not when you read the word, but when you feed on the word, meaning you applied the word. You read it and you do something about it. The Bible, if the Bible would have been written today, it would say, do not stay in the path of, where, where it says, do not stay in the path of, path of sinners, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. 
It will not, it, it would probably say like, do not speak on Instagram, do not stay on Facebook or whatever, go and go on Pinterest and all that stuff. And what's funny is people get so worked up about things that are happening today. They get ticked at this guy and they get irritated at this guy and it's people they don't even know. It's people they just see doing certain things. It's, we don't even know them, but we get irritated about it. We get so worked up about this stupidity of the stuff that goes on when all we had to do is get in our own hearts and follow Jesus. Because whatever you put in, it comes out. Whatever you feed on, it will come out. If you feed on junk, junk, junk is going to come out. You can't do anything about it. It's the law and universe. That's what's going to happen. You're not going around it. You're not, you can't go through it. It's just the way it works. We don't read in the Bible where... We don't read the Bible to learn the Bible. And that's where it could maybe get a little bit controversial here. But we don't read the Bible to learn the Bible. We, learn the Bi we read the Bible to learn obedience. That's back to why you can read all the, you can have all devotions, you can go through all the rituals and everything you want to. But you're just reading the Bible if you don't do anything about it. You, you read the Bible to learn obedience for what the Bible has to say for your life. The Bible says in Hebrews, Though he was the son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. I want to go to where Jesus, in Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus says, Go into all the worlds, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. Teach them so that they know. Now we know the truth, and the truth was that he was the, the truth that is the power in knowing my people perish for lack of knowledge. But the Bible says, teach them to observe the things that I taught to you. Discipleship is not to learn the Bible so that you know the Bible. Discipleship is to learn obedience. A believer stays in the Word. A disciple learns obedience by staying in the Word. It's a slight difference there. Yes, the Word is our the Word of God is our food. The Word of God is our sword. The Word of God is our seed, honey. You can let all kinds of stuff there what the Word of God is, and I agree with that. God is our, you know, God is our armor. But at the end of the day, God's word is not given to you, given to increase your information box. It's given to you to transform your life. Because when you read the Bible and you follow what it says, you're, you're going after, you're studying somebody. You're not studying a book. That's why the book has life. You can go to business seminars. You can go to college. college. College does give you a degree, but the Bible makes you a disciple. College can take you, teach you a skill in a particular area, while in other areas of your life can be dysfunctional. But when you go to God's Word, God's Word affects everything about you. Because you don't learn a topic, you learn a person. Because God's Word is Jesus. When I go to college, or when I go to a business seminar, when I do this, when I go, go to, learn, to like, learn how to cook, whatever. If I run a restaurant, I want to learn how to be the top chef in the, in the area. That's what I can learn. But when I take a course, I learn a topic. But when I go to the Bible, I learn a person. His name is Jesus, and I'm... I'm and I, you know, there's a difference in studying and applying the Bible than just reading the Bible. 
got a little story. I'm probably going to have a couple of stories here. Um, but let's say my wife has a dog. Like, I don't own the dog, but my wife has a dog. And um, we named the dog after our last name. You know, we, you know, he's a very special dog. He's famous. We have him on Instagram. We have him on YouTube. We have him all, on all these platforms. And he's a famous dog. And I take him with me sometimes where, you know, I go out, you know, take him with me here and there. And people come up and, you know, we talk about stuff. We, you know, they see, oh, you know that dog. We know that dog. And uh, we start conversations here and there. And people come up and they ask, can I pet him? And they say, As, you know, I follow this dog on Instagram. Oh, you follow me, huh? No, I follow the dog. There's a difference. The dog is famous, I'm not. Every week, my wife tells me, here and there, you know, when she's not around, we, let's just say we call him Rover. My wife's getting ready to go out at 6 o'clock, so that's the dog's feeding time, is uh, feed, feed Rover. 6 o'clock is when he needs to be fed. Feed Rover. Okay, I got it. Let's say she comes back and she asks, uh, did you feed Rover? I say, well, no, I memorized what you said. Feed Rover. I've recited it, I've repeated it. In fact, I put it on my hand. I wrote it down so I don't forget. I even learned how to say Rover in different language. You know, we're all in this thing, full-heartedly. I got even a small group going on Instagram where, uh, you know, everybody's putting input on how to feed Rover. We go to church, we go to this, we do all these prayer meetings, whatever you want to call it. And um, I like saying, you know, feed Rover. It makes me feel good. When I say I, when I, when I, um, time goes around a little bit, my wife asks me, um, did you feed Rover? Oh, no, I didn't. But I memorized what you said. I know how to do it. Everything is good. But I didn't do anything about it. I know exactly what it says. We know the Bible inside out. We can brag, you can brag all the time. I've read the Bible all the way through three times. Don't mean squat. Don't apply it. It don't mean nothing. God didn't, die. God didn't give us his words for us to memorize, and that's exactly what my wife didn't do. She didn't say feet rover so I can memorize it. She wanted results out of it. She wanted rover fed. God's word for the disciple is his source of information. It's his source of inspiration, and it's his source of instruction. Too many times we take that as an instruction, but we don't follow instructions. The th second thing about a disciple, not only does, he, does the disciple feed on the word of God, but a disciple follows the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. In John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter or a helper that he, am, that he may abide with you forever. Now, the, the word another in Greek has two, two uh, words. The first one is, uh, I don't know if I can say these name, the uh, words right, but one is uh, alos, which means another of the same kind. And you know, the other one is hieratus or something like that. But it means another kind, means something different. But alos is what this is talking about. I will pray the Father that he will give you another comforter. 
So when Jesus was getting ready to leave, he, was, he promised his disciples that he would give them another comforter, meaning another comforter just like me. And that's when the Holy Spirit came in. It would be the same way as, like, let's say I'm fixing something, and the wrench that I have is a Craftsman 916 or whatever, and it doesn't fit, and I even holler over to somebody else. It's like, hey, bring me another wrench. What I mean by that another is another wrench, just like the one I have, so I can fix this. Mine is too small, but i, I got to fix this. It means another of the same kind. It's the same type of tool, it just does it slightly different. Just the same result. Or when you're somewhere and you want another sandwich, like you had one and it's really good, you want another one. You don't say, give me another sandwich slightly different than the one I have, because this one was really good, because that wouldn't make sense. You say, Let's, let, give me another sandwich, and you mean by the, the same sandwich just like the one I just had. It's a different sandwich, but it's going to have the same taste, the same results as the one before. The Holy Spirit wants to be to you what Jesus was when he was on earth. And I've heard this comment where people say, is, uh, well, if, you know, if I had Jesus walking with me right here, then I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. It's not true. Because you're not going to have Jesus walking here with you the way, you, the way we had it back then. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is that another comfort of which he sent. They didn't have the Holy Spirit before he left. He's not here, but the Holy Spirit is, which is the same thing as Jesus. You can have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit as you do with Jesus, as, as they had with Jesus back then. Kind of brings out the same way we don't see, uh, and that's what plays in with this, we don't see the disciples praying to Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, they didn't pray to Jesus. Very seldomly, anyway. They talked to him. He was their friend. He was their guide. He was their teacher. And that's what the Holy Spirit is today. He's that same touch as Jesus was when he was on, on the earth. There's so many disciples around the world. He's going to be available to every disciple in every nation, in every tongue, in every dimension, in every season, and in every sanctuary, like, the Holy Spirit is here. All we have to do is follow His guidance. Makes me think of um, when you're somewhere and you don't know where you're at and the GPS doesn't work. Me and Ken were down in Pittsburgh the other day, and this reminded me of that. Back in the boonies, back in downtown, I don't know where we were, down by the river. And it was so tight. We had a trailer with us. It was really tight, and there, it's almost impossible to really drive down through there. Well, we ended up in dead-end streets because we're trying to get around to the back side of the building, and yeah, we were, we were lost, basically. And the UPS driver comes up and says, you could do this, you do this, and this, and this, and this. Well, we didn't follow his instructions correctly because we were lost. He had to go on, so obviously he couldn't guide us down there, but it makes me think of when you're lost somewhere and somebody wants to guide you, when you, when you follow somebody on the highway, your life, your speed, your turns, everything changes. Your eyes are on that person, and you're trying to keep up with them. This slow down, like you slow down when they slow down. You speed up when they speed up. They take a left turn, you take a left turn. God forbid something gets between you and, a, you and them. And that makes me, uh, the song uh, that was played this morning is uh, 
I think it's, I forget which song it was, it's the shadows may oppose you or something like that. Like, when you're following the Spirit, you don't want anything coming between you and the Spirit because you can't see. When a truck comes between you and that guy that's guiding you to go to your destination, you can't see him correctly. They might take a turn and you're like, you don't know for sure what you're doing. You don't want nothing between you and that Spirit. And that's exactly what it looks like to follow the Holy Spirit, meaning your eyes are on the Holy Spirit. You're keeping, you're keeping in tune what He is saying today. What does He want me to do? And God forbid, offense gets between you and the Holy Ghost. And you no longer see the Holy, Holy Spirit because you're offended at your husband. You're offended at your wife. And you have to tell that offense, get out. You have to get rid of that thing that's standing between you and the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, otherwise you won't see correctly. And you got a very good chance to get lost. You want to be as close as you can. The closer, the better. It blocks your way. It's blocking the flow. So that is, so that is how we follow. It's not, it's not following the Lord on Twitter where you keep up with the post. You don't follow the same way. You keep up with just the word and you're reading and, you, and you're like, well, that's what I said. And you're, you're, you, you can't, you got to follow closely. You can't just do something here and then go a different direction. It's not the same way. When you follow somebody on Twitter, you can do this, and you go on with your life. When you follow the Holy Spirit, you want to keep it in front of you. I'm not saying you can't do Twitter, but that's not what you're following. Your allegiance is not to this other worldly stuff you have. This other stuff is necessary here and there. I'm, I don't know if Twitter is necessary or not, but maybe it is for you. It, may, it might not be for me. And that's the other thing. We, we tend to always judge and fuss and fume about this stuff, when somebody else is doing something, and I like, I think it's wrong. The Holy Spirit is not call, is not calling you to judge somebody else. You follow the Spirit and let God, that guy follow as well. The other thing, the Holy Spirit is always moving. The Holy Spirit is not stagnant; it's always moving. That's where the Bible says, "Man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth." That proceeds, it didn't say by every word that proceeded out of my mouth. It's proceeds, it's flowing, it's always changing, it's always coming. I mean, the, the external word of the, of the Bible is going to be the same. That won't change. But the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you, and if that lines up with the Bible, you move. The Holy Spirit can be, be used to, to uh, make decisions when it comes to who to hire, who to fire, when it comes to who to marry. When it comes to where, where to go and when it comes to different things, we rely on the Holy Spirit. God gave us the map and He gave us a guide. A disciple is not somebody who sees the Holy Spirit. It's somebody who follows. Because when we get in a car out of your garage and I see your car, but when I don't follow where you're going, I will stop seeing. I still know you. I mean, I got your phone number. I know you very well, but I won't see you no more because we're so far apart. Why? because we're following the directions of my own understanding, relying on my own wisdom, and I'm not following you. When you ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you forfeit your discipleship. When you don't follow the promptings, you're just, you're just making it invalid that you're a disciple. You don't lose your salvation. A disciple stays close to the Holy Spirit to the promptings and to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. 
Somebody who's not a disciple, they can hear the Holy Spirit. They can know about the Holy Spirit. They just don't keep up and they don't follow. I remember when I was younger, back probably, I don't know, 18. I remember being worried about not knowing what to do and saying, Lord, I want, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. But I've learned, and I, I, would, I would ask that you know, a couple of times. I want to hear you. I want to hear you like a person. We strive, we, get, we, we want to hear the Lord. Because my imagination of hearing God was really related to being a, like a prophet, like meaning to be able to get up and you know, do, do what our teaching is, what a prophet is, and, and help people maybe in some miracle or you know, be able to tell you the last sin I've committed and repented of or be able to read the painting on the wall or, you know, and decipher that or, or prophesy. But I've learned it, it's, it's, it's following the Holy Spirit. That's how, the, that's how God's going to talk to you. And there are people that have the gift of prophecy. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not talking about prophecy. I'm talking about what talking about is to be able to hear as a believer. You hear here as a believer, and you heed as a disciple. You don't just hear and just sync it up. For many of us, hear the Lord, hear, and it gets stuck in here. It just gets stuck. We, we, we soak up that knowledge, and it never comes out through heeding is you hear and you heed. I believe that's why in uh, Revelations it says, as he who, hath a hear, uh, he who hath an ear, let him hear. Like if you have an ear to hear and actually hear, that's what that's talking about. You hear and you heed. In Samuel we can read that... Um, what God sometimes says isn't always what we want to hear. The first time God spoke to Samuel, he did not want to hear what God told him. God told him to go tell Eli that Eli's family is going down, like he's on the wrong path. That's not what Samuel wanted to hear. And I started to realize that God's leading my, in my life will not always be in line what I want to hear. And I switched my prayer. I started asking different. Instead of praying, God, I want to hear your voice, I started to pray to God, give me strength to heat. Whatever you want, I will follow. And it doesn't always look the same. It's not that God is changing, but the Holy Spirit is always moving and He's always leading and He's always changing. Because you cannot be a disciple and not follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because you want to, if you want the, if you want to be a disciple, and I look at a disciple more like a, a warrior or like a, somebody that's actually doing something. Kind of what comes into this too is obesity. When you eat more than you exercise, that's what obesity is. We tend to come to church every Sunday and you know be proud of the fact that we're churchgoers. We're, we're proud of the fact that we know this and we're proud of the fact that we know that. If you ain't gonna do something, you're just a beast in the word doesn't mean anything. You got to do something about it. Other parts of this world are dying for lack of food. We're not. Here in America, 
We have more food than we know what to do with, and it's killing us. We have more spiritual food than we know what to do with. We don't do anything about it. Same thing with, with actual food. We have more food than we know what to do with, and it's making people fat, and it's making people die. We have, we're, we're so plentiful, it's hurting us. And I think the same thing can go for the spiritual. We have more Bibles, we have more teachings, we have more colleges, we have more Christian colleges and Christian this and Christian that, Christian music and Christian everything. And I very much agree with Elias, what he said is like the music stuff is we tend to have a bunch of bad, but then we have a little bit of good just to snag the people in. That's spiritual obesity. We know we should be listening to something else, but we justify it by, ah, it ain't that bad. I can listen to this one, but maybe not to the rest of them. You're still listening to the same guy. Most of us here today are educated beyond our obedience. We know we know what to do beyond what we're willing to obey. And that's a challenge. I'd like to challenge you. In which area of your life is the Holy Spirit turning? Could it be in the area of forgiving somebody? Could it be in the area where could it be in the area of something where there is no name in the Bible, where there is no thou shalt do this and this and this, this? But the Holy Spirit will just not leave you alone. I think everybody's got something somewhere. I mean, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You know that feeling where it comes in and it drops you down and it's like, dude, I gotta do something about that. But you push it off. And you can explain it away and you can find it in a scripture. You can go to the Bible and you can find all this stuff where you can shut that feeling down. You can do that. I've done it. But I give you a warning. When you stop following the Holy Spirit, you will not be a disciple. It's very simple. Following the Holy Spirit means keeping up with Him. Following the Holy Spirit means turning when He turns. And I'm not saying I'm doing some bizarre, crazy stuff. What I'm saying is things that are in the line, in line with the Word. And you just have that strong conviction out of nowhere. It's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. You're going to have the Holy Spirit and He will guide you and He will speak to you. Jesus says here in John, He says, If you obey my commandments, you are my disciples indeed. You can't obey a commandments if you don't follow it. The prize of intimacy with the Holy Spirit it's not fellowship with just reading the Bible. It's obedience in the Holy Spirit. Obedience to the Holy Spirit is the key to the next level. If you want revival, learn obedience. See, Jesus defines friendship different than we do. We don't define friendship. If I say it to Elias, it's like, the reason you're my best friend is because you do everything I tell you to. We, would, we push back on that. 
Like we don't like, you know, we're going to be best friends if you keep on doing exactly what I tell you to do. That's not much of a friendship in our way of thinking. But that's the way Jesus looks at it. See, we think carnal. He says because, you no, know, cause how many of us, how many of us, half those people that just talk, 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 and they don't ever do anything. I think we all know of somebody like that. Because we can put up with it. They just talk, 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 talk. But when Jesus tells you to do something, you better do it. Many of us think that the next level with the Holy Spirit is determined by how much more how much more we do. We think the next level to get to the next level with the Holy Spirit, to have an intimate relationship, is by how much we add time. See, we run by time. We add time to something. I can pray another hour. I can pray another 10 minutes. I can get up another hour earlier so I can get 10 more minutes to pray, and then the rest of the time I can do this and I can do that. We add time to that, and it's not what it is about. The Holy Spirit defines friendship different than you do. It's not the amount of, of it's not the amount of fellowship. It's the amount of obedience. And that's why you can look at some people who, you know, spent time spent hours upon the day talking to the Holy Spirit. But what if the Holy Spirit told them to do something else? Are they gonna do it? God will bless you not based on your prayer but based on your obedience. And sometimes when we don't obey, we want to pray to cover. We lack our obedience. You know, God told Saul, I want you to go wipe out the Almanites. And what did Saul do? He brought sacrifices to compensate for lack of obedience. He didn't do exactly what God told him to do. He brought something else to compensate his actions. He didn't want to do it. Some of us will sacrifice to compensate for lack of obedience. We do this and we do that to compensate because we know we're not obeying here and we're not obeying there. We will ask prayers, we will ask fasting just so that we don't have to do what he is asking us to do. Obedience is greater, greater than sacrifice. If you really want to sacrifice, you obey. Adam did not sacrifice his son. Did you realize that? He just obeyed God. That's all he did. He ended up not sacrificing his son, but he obeyed. Anytime we focus on obedience, you will always sacrifice. He Adam would have sacrificed his own will, but that's what we're called to do. Abraham, yes, that's right. I would suggest don't focus on the sacrifice so much. Focus on obedience and whatever he leads you to do, just do it. If you need to give, give. If you need to save, save. 
And if somebody, if, if he leads you to lead in something, just lead. If you do that, your, holy, your next level, your, your breakthrough with the Holy Spirit will guide you through it. I read this story um, of a preacher. He shared how uh, he started to ask the Lord to speak to him, kind of what I was doing. So one night he had a, the Holy Spirit revealed to him of a former member of a church that he was overseeing in California. Left the church and started his own ministry and fell under very difficult financial times. He was able to pay, and he wasn't able to pay for his bills. This guy that left the church went somewhere else and started his own ministry. You know, he's fell under some tough times. So Michael receives, the main preacher receives it in a dream of this member and the exact amount of money he needs and what the problem that he was having, what the problem was that he was having. Like he, he was showed in a dream exactly what, what's going on and everything. And uh, so he woke up and he was very inspired. And he calls this ex-member of that church and um, nobody picks up the phone. And later that guy calls him back and he tells him like the reason he didn't answer is because he was on the phone with the utility company, which had just turned off his electricity. And when, Michael, and when Michael told him about the details, God revealed to him in the dream, both started to cry because this was very su supernatural. Like we get all bubbly when all this stuff happens. Michael was so impressed that God told him that in a dream he rejoiced with the fact that God spoke to him. The next three days he forgot what God told him to actually pay for this person's utility bill. So later God comes back to him and says, did you, did you do what I told you? He says, no, but I'm really happy that you spoke to me, and it was so accurate. God was like, well, the reason I spoke to you is so you can help the guy out. We love the experience, the goosebumps we get when God speaks. I've had this happen. But friends... It's not hearing God's voice that's going to bless you. It's heeding God's voice that will help you. It's also not hearing the devil's voice that's going to destroy you. It's heeding the devil's voice. Both Jesus and Eve heard the voice of the devil. Jesus did in the garden, or Jesus... Eve heard the devil's voice in the garden, and Jesus did in the wilderness. Jesus didn't heat, but Eve did. The third sign of a disciple is the disciple forsakes, forsakes which hinders their follow. And Jesus said to his disciples, I just want to bring a couple of examples out. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's Matthew 16, 24. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They left their nets and followed him. Hebrews 12, verse 10, it says, uh, uh, verse, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, uh, That we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside everything, every sin that so easily ensnares us and every weight and let us run the race with endurance, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who despise not the shame and sit at the right hand of the Father. There's some things that go around, you know, in our, our culture today is uh, that creeps out of the uh, teaching from Buddhism. Or we might call it religion. Maybe we can relate to that better. There's some quotes that may be true to an extent, but they have a dark side to it. I'm going to read a couple of them off here I've seen. To conquer yourself is greater victory than conquer thousands in battle. He who is able, he is able who thinks he is able. The wise are dis disciplined in body, speech, and mind. They are, well, they are well controlled indeed. A disciplined mind brings happiness. No one saves us, let let no one saves us but ourselves. No one and no one may ourselves no one and no one but ourselves must walk the path. The person who masters himself to self-control and discipline is truly undefeatable. Some of these stuff some of this stuff is like stuff we kind of run after and want to try to get into our life. And it's not it's not taking up your cross, and following Jesus. Discipline, it's not about the discipline we do. It's about following Him, and then, he will di then the discipline will come with that. Christian, I don't know if you guys uh, ever thought of this. It's kind of a new thought for me, but Christianity is not about the cross. It's about Christ who will lead us to the cross. Christianity is not about forsaking. It's not about following and then following so good. Christianity is about following and then following so good that the following of Jesus decides what we need to forsake. See, we first made a decision to follow Jesus. Then that made, so we got to go pick up our cross and then follow him. Too many times we get so wrapped up in this thing of, well, I need to be this and this and this before I can follow. No, just make a decision to follow. Just obey. And then the forsaking will come at, like once you get, get into it. You don't see Jesus coming to the disciples and say, forsake your boats. Forsake your nets. Jesus said, follow me, and the Bible says they forsook their boats. As they followed Jesus, their eyes were on Jesus. They realized that I can't carry this net with me. I can't drag this boat with me, so I'm going to have to leave this behind and this behind. Why? Not because Jesus told them to, to leave that stuff behind. It's because by following him demands to leave that stuff behind. That's what we're going to find. But if you focus on what you're going to leave behind, you're going to, you're going to turn the volume down, listening to the Holy Spirit, 
and you're gonna push that aside because you're, if you focus on the forsaking, you'll most likely kind of wait too long. That's why a lot of people don't make the decision to do it. They look at the things that they have to forsake instead of just following, and then the following determines that forsaking. The, the Bible says that we forsake things and sin and we will run after God, looking to Jesus. That means we're not looking at things. When we're forsaking, we're not looking at things we're doing. Our focus, our aim is to face Jesus. And what saddens me, and I'm included in this, is we fell in love with, this, with uh, discipline. That's the way we grew up. We grew up very disciplined. We were taught this here and this here you can't have, so you can follow instead of following, and then that follow determines what we can and can't have. There are things that we can and can't have, but we got it so backwards. We see somebody in shaggy pants, we say, well, he ain't a follower. It's not up to us. That's really not up to us. If he's following, more power to him. You should rejoice in the fact that he's following the Spirit. And then maybe at some point those pants won't be on him anymore. But if our focus is on that stuff, we need to get to ourselves. We kind of make an idol out of discipline. And I like discipline. And I think some discipline is good, and I'll get to that. We make an idol out of discipline, especially those of you who grew up with very structured, very, like, let's say, like, very structured parents or very structured fathers or uh, from a house where everything is so, so, so. That's what we call discipline because we discipline to do certain things. But then you never follow. You never follow the Holy Spirit because you're used to rule. Like, I guess like what an army or like a military would be very structured, very disciplined. They got to do this and this and this in order to do what they're required. But those people literally have a very hard time following something else other than what they were taught. There are people who that wake up early in the morning, very disciplined people, but they don't know God. So discipline doesn't make you a disciple. What makes you a disciple is a heart that's burning for the Lord, and out of that heart that is burning for the Lord begins to dictate things, certain things that you, cannot, you, that you cannot do, not trying to prepare yourself to be His disciple, but setting yourself up to be His disciple, that begins to, that, that following begins to say, I can't have this and I can't have that, I gotta let this go, I let, it get, let that go, and like it'll determine your life, instead of you determining your life and then trying to follow. It's completely opposite. You follow and then that determines the life for you. Makes me think of uh, the church. I forget where it says. Is uh, he had one thing against him? I think it's in Revelations. They had a lot of things right, but he had one thing against him, and that was they turned their face away from him. All they had to do is turn around and face him. But in the perfect church, but they had that one thing. If any man desires to follow me, he will pick up the cross and follow me. See, following always 
leads to forsaking, but forsaking doesn't always lead to following. We grew up forsaking, but maybe not following. But when you're following, you will forsake, always. I didn't realize it's this late. Um, I'd like to challenge you guys to study into it and go deeper. Because let's grow. Let's become disciples. If you're not a disciple, let's become disciples. Let's follow. Don't focus on what you have to forsake. Focus, and, focus on, sin, on Him so much that we follow will decide and determine and lead you to forsake. Your following determines what you forsake, and it fuels your forsaking. And when you're following, the forsaking won't be so painful. See, we get it vice versa. We focus on forsaking, then we try not to follow. We justify this. Well, I don't have to do this because, you know, ouch, I don't want to go there.